0: All right. Good morning, everybody. I'm Mason Wilson. This is From the War Room to the Boardroom. Today, we are talking about transition, specifically transitioning into startup. So I'm your host. I'm the Global Business Strategy Operations, Go-To-Market Ads Policy at Google, Combat Veteran, Duke MBA, and West Pointer. Today, we have my guest, Ms. Shante Frazier. She and I will be discussing her transition, both in service and then also into uh, being a beauty startup founder. Shante is the founder of Capped, a rent the one way style wig company, after time as a management consultant and a retail merchandiser. She also spent time as a progressive insurance analyst and a National Guard Intelligence Officer. She's a graduate of both Stallman College and New York University's Stern School of Business. So of the delay, Shante Frazier.
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: <laughs> Thank you for making time. And so to kind of dive in, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? kind of who you are, where you come from, and how you came to be here.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Thank you for the intro. Just to dive into that a bit more, I'm from Canton, Ohio, which is a smaller town in northeastern Ohio, where everyone knows everyone. Um, grew up spending my summers in Atlanta visiting my dad, which is where I was exposed to Spel- Spelman College. I knew probably at the age of eight I was going to go to Spelman, Um, so had everything what I thought was mapped out at a young age. And when I finally, when it came time for me to apply to college, the only college I applied to was Spelman College. Um, My mind was set, only put in one application, had a great first year. But at the end of that first year, my mother, who is a single mother raising two other kids in addition to me told me that she couldn't get approved for any additional loan money. Um, So I Googled how to pay for school, and the first thing that popped up was the military. And the next day, I was in the recruiter's office signing up for the Army National Guard with my fingers crossed that I would get the scholarship that came with it. So I took a semester off to go to boot camp. And then when I graduated, I commissioned as a military intelligence officer.
0: Did you stay in Georgia your entire time while you were in the National Guard? Did you go elsewhere?
1: Yeah, so I was in a program called the SMP um, program, the Simultaneous Membership Program, which is where you're in ROTC, um, but you're also still doing your guard duty once a month. So once a month um, in Georgia, I would go, I would take a weekend off away from my classmates and go serve as a cadet in my for my unit. At the time, I was a 92 Alpha a Supply Chain Specialist, so spent a lot of time doing. We worked with the CDC a lot. Um, It was a lot of fun. That's how I spent my one weekend every month. It was additional money for college. I was the first person from Spelman College to be in the SMP program. And it didn't guarantee a scholarship. But luckily, I was able to get this scholarship by increasing my chances by going through boot camp. And you know that As a cadet, it's not mandatory for you to go to boot camp, but it increases your chances for the scholarship. So I signed up to go to boot camp and it was I had no clue what I was signing up for. But (laughs) it was definitely quite the experience. And I learned a lot. So I don't regret it.
0: (laughs) And so when you were making that decision to decide you know, National Guard or Reservist versus active duty, kind of talk us through that decision process and kind of why you decided National Guard compared to the other routes.
1: Um, so they had different scholarship options and I ended up going with the, I, would just, I knew I didn't want to go active duty because I kind of had, I knew I wanted to get into the business world, but I knew I wanted to be in the military. Wasn't sure if active duty was the right call. So really the decision came down to reserve or National Guard. And I ended up taking National Guard because the lifestyle fit what um, it allowed me to be more flexible. And also the scholarship program was better for me at that time. So, yeah, it was mostly me deciding between the reserves and the National Guard. And the major difference is who owns you, basically. Um, So the reserve is at the federal level and the National Guard is at the state level. So at the time, I was in the Georgia National Guard when I commissioned. And then when I moved to Ohio to start working for Progressive Insurance as an analyst, I um, switched to the Ohio Army National
0: Guard. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so based on that leadership journey, can you tell us about where you are now and kind of what brought you to that point?
1: yeah so um I was in Ohio for six years doing the one week in a month and then two weeks over the summer uh, with the Ohio Army National Guard but also working full-time as an analyst for progressive insurance and I started looking around trying to figure out what was next for me Um, and I had no clue what I wanted to do but I knew I wanted more ownership of my work and uh, I thought the best way to get those skills that I needed was to go to business school. So I joined MLT, which is where I met you, Management Leadership for Tomorrow, and was exposed to a brand new world of different possibilities. At the time, I had no clue what venture capital was, uh, what management consultant was. I don't even think I knew what investment banking was outside of knowing that you had to, well, thinking that you had to live on Wall Street and sell things. (laughs) So MLT was great for exposing me to a brand new world of opportunities. So ended up at NYU Stern. And at that time, I started um, I did my summer internship at Amazon in their retail leadership development program and then went full time at PwC in the procurement operations group. And then from there, decided I wanted to start my own company. So did something called a Venture Studio, which is where they invest in you as an entrepreneur. And you work with the Venture Studio to come up with a different idea. Um, so over four weeks, each week, you're pitching a new idea. And Well capped was one of those ideas that I pitched. People fell in love with it. I knew I was the target market. So I fell in love with it and decided to go full time to work on that company in April 2022.
0: And so in going through that process, do you feel like each one of those, both business school, working in insurance or working in merchandising, mm-hmm. do you feel like those are necessary steps to get to that journey? Or do you feel like there's a path that could have streamlined that sure. journey a bit better and faster? If that makes sense.
1: Great question. At the time, I felt like I was blindfolded, throwing darts at a wall, and I had no clue what I was doing. I was really just going with my gut. And intuition. But when I look back at it now and all of the different experiences I had from the military to being an analyst and learning how to put, use data to tell a story, to working at PwC on procurement deals and m deals, to then going to Wayfair and working on figuring out how the product detail page um, increases shopper confidence. When I look back on all of those experiences, I see now how all of them have led me to this place. Uh, it's skills that you need as a leader for a startup, right? Um, In the military, the main thing that you learn as an officer is how to make high impact decisions under pressure. And when you think about all of the training, when they have like, when they have the noises going off in the background and they try to mimic a battlefield, like that's teaching you how to make a decision when everything is going to hell, right? (laughs) When everything's going bad. And that's one of the main things you need, one of the main skill sets that you need as a leader of a startup.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And so I guess in making that transition transition, Are you now a full-time startup founder or do you still split your time between National Guard and being a startup founder? What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, now I'm a full-time startup founder. Um, So my typical day, looks like me waking up um, around 5 or 6 in the morning. It's supposed to be 5, but I normally don't really get out of bed until (laughs) 6 o'clock. And then I'm spending the first hour or two going through emails, um, mapping out my day. It's quiet time, basically. And then I get my daughter. I have a three-year-old daughter, so I'm getting her ready for daycare mm-hmm. around 8 o'clock. Um, I drop her off right at 9 o'clock, and then I try to reserve an hour or at least 45 minutes for physical activity three times a week. Um, and during that time, I try to make sure it's quiet so I'm able to download any new thoughts or create space to um come up with strategy for any issues I may be facing. And then after that, it's basically putting out a whole bunch of little fires. <laughs> um, so it could be something as small as someone got the wrong wig um, sent to their house or one of we found out some of our wig, our hair that we're getting from a supplier may not be arriving on time and we have a photo shoot that we need the hair for. So what are we gonna do as a backup? Little things like that
0: so as a startup founder, how do you balance, I guess, all of those competing priorities, especially when you're really dual-hatting between execution and strategist and visionary leader? How do you kind of multi-hat all of those and kind of get it all done in a given day?
1: Learning how to prioritize is very important as a startup leader. Everything feels really important, um, especially when you're in the early stages and you don't have a lot of resources available, mm-hmm. um, everything feels like it needs to be at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. So what I do when I'm prioritizing is figuring out if this doesn't get done, what breaks? And if nothing is going to break, then I can move that down lower in priority. Um, but just making sure that I'm keeping keeping in mind, like, hey, these are the things that have to be done and these are the things that can be done tomorrow. And then also making sure that I'm leaving space to just think. I think as a lot of times as leaders, whether you're in the startup world or as you know, in corporate world, we forget to leave time to think. And that's so important when your job is to come up with new strategies or to come up with new ideas. You want to make sure you're reserving bandwidth in your brain to just have space to think. And that can look like different things. It can look like going on a walk once a day. Um, meditating for 20, 35 minutes, but just leave in time for your brain to not have to think about anything, but download new strategies.
0: So how are you kind of pacing yourself or are you kind of stretching yourself to make sure that you have that time to think, download, is it, you know, hey, I have a a journal, I, I have this given practice, how are you really thinking about, it. I guess, your space and becoming a bit of an expert, but also kind of bringing that innovation and novelty to that space at the same time?
1: Yeah, so I've always been a journaler. I've journaled since I was maybe 10, maybe younger than that. So I've kept a journal. My whole life is documented in little notebooks. Um And that allows me to reflect. And reflection is so important when you're learning new lessons every day. I'm able to look back on, hey, this decision that I made may not have been the best decision in that minute. Here's what I would do different in the future. And then look back on those lessons that I have documented. Another thing that I think has been really helpful is connecting with other entrepreneurs in Atlanta and learning from their um, best practices, what's worked for them. Um. what didn't work for them. Having those honest, transparent conversations to figure out what other people have done that's worked well and mistakes that they've made along the way. That way, I don't have to learn those same mistakes through experience.
0: Oh, amazing points. And so when you were making that transition out of the National Guard, can you talk about kind of that thought process, one? And then two, you mentioned kind of mentors. Who in your network were you reaching out to to navigate that space? Was it undergrad folks? Was it people in the National Guard? Kind of who were those folks for you?
1: So for the first question, when transitioning out the National Guard, for me, the decision um, was easy because of timing. Towards the end of my six-year contract, I was about to begin um, business school. So, for me, it just made sense to instead of renewing my contract and trying to find a new base and a new unit in New York, just to let that contract in. When it came to finding mentors and people who I could talk to about different decisions I had to make in my personal life, professional life, for my career, what I did was look at people who I admired, whether they were in the military. So they had a role that I knew I wanted to look at. Or if they modeled different ethos that I admired, I looked for those people, set up time to take them out to coffee, um, take them out to lunch. And during that time, I slowly built a relationship that felt authentic to both of us, and, and they just became informal mentors. A lot of those people I still keep in
0: touch with now. So you kind of found something more organic and eventually let that cultivate into a natural sponsorship or um, kind of advocacy. So kind of you're both pouring into it if I understood that correctly. Yep.
1: And I've always done that, even in the corporate world, looking for people who held roles that I knew that I wanted. um, I offered to take them out for coffee, for lunch, for dinner, whatever, and just kind of pit their brain and let that relationship develop over time.
0: Points, and so along that, as you kind of left the National Guard along with those benefits in transition to the business school, how did you think about kind of planning to leave and kind of benefits, especially like going back to school as a student and kind of all the things that come along with that? How did you think about that particular process?
1: I think the main thing that I was concerned about was the VA home loan. I sure before even leaving the army. I made sure that I had all of the requirements to still get the VA loan. So, my advice for anyone looking to do, looking to think if this is the right time to transition to the civilian world full time, would be to look at the benefits, um, talk to your VA loan, make sure that you're hitting the minimum requirements at least. um, For the things that you know that mean a lot to you. I had already used a lot of my Montgomery GI Bill for my undergrad. Um, so that, and I knew I was only going, I wasn't going to school past an MBA. So I'm still standing on that. So, that was important to me. So, I went and made sure the benefits that I cared about, I would still qualify for.
0: And then, in terms of like programs she's transitioned we talked about MLT and Calvary Movement. Uh, were there any other programs that she used? I know a consortium starting as a part of consortium, if that's right. Yep.
1: So I'm in a consortium. I did MLT. I don't know if they still do it, but Google used to have a veterans program for MBA students where they allowed veterans to go out to Google's campus. They pay for you to come out to California to stay on their campus for five days, and it's pre-MBA. I did that program, and that was So much fun. I learned so much um, from different people who worked at Google, got to meet the Google recruiters uh, ahead of everyone else. And then I think it's called From Green to Gold or From from Green to Gold. I'll get the um, information for you so you can link it in your description for this. But there's another program that I did that was also very helpful for transitioning into an MBA. And then outside of the military, I'm in a program called Goodie Nation for underrepresented founders. And they've connected me with a lot of different entrepreneurs in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area. And that's been very helpful. They also have something called Therapy for Founders every Thursday, uh, where all of the founders come together and talk about different issues that they're facing. And it's like, it's great just letting me know that i'm not alone and some of the families that i've
0: had i mean all, all great resources i'll definitely be sure to share that with our, our listeners and so based on that where are you trying to go like where do you see well capped going like what's the ideal where would you like to be in the next let's say 10 years
1: Yeah. So right now, Wellcapped is a wig rental company, meaning our members pay a monthly fee. They get a new wig each month. When they're done with it, we use um, cosmetologists here in Atlanta to sanitize, clean and restyle the wig. Long term, our vision is to build Netflix for beauty products. And what that means is using predictive modeling to put the right beauty products in front of the right consumers. And that goes back to my analyst days at Progressive Insurance, where I used a lot of quantitative data to figure out what cohort people should belong in based on their marital status, their gender, age, where they live. Now I want to see if I can use a lot of quantitative data to put the right mascara, shampoos, conditioners in front of you. And we're starting with wigs because people who wear wigs are typically hyper-consumers in beauty. Over the next five years, seven years, I'm going to continue to build out Cap, um, scale into different categories, uh, and then we'll see where we go from there. But I'm really excited about the company.
0: Now yeah, We wish you all the best and your future unicorn status and all that great stuff. I think I remember watching some of your performances, both at the HBS like, Venture Competition and backing from Tristan Walker uh, of Bevel. And so... Kind of can you talk through some of the lessons that you learned and not only being a founder, being an intelligence officer, and kind of how those lessons have really matriculated into your startup founder journey?
1: Definitely. Um, so when I think about my training as a military officer, okay. a lot of the basic things that we've learned as an officer going through whether you went through OCS or Bullock, which is what I went through. The, a lot of the basic lessons that we learned could be applied to being a startup leader. So we recently found out one of our um, pair companies, a company that sells wigs, they may be looking at going into renting their wigs or their inventory down. And immediately, I went back to the troop leading procedures. So here's the issue. Um, let me make sure the, of the team is aware of the issue. Um, let me come up with a tentative plan. And yep. then let's start... <laughs> Let's start um, figuring out what our plan is, conducting research, right, which is basically recon, conducting research, figuring out what they're going to be, what their strategy is long term, and then reiterating, so revising that plan along the way.
0: um, basics, the all these with the goodies. And can you also talk about kind of some of the resources that you used, whether it's books or podcasts to really help navigate that journey and kind of really leverage some of those lessons in your transition process?
1: Yeah. So the first thing, when people tell me that they want to start a company and they want to go the VC route, so venture capital... The first thing I tell people to read is venture though, and it basically breaks down to you everything that you need to know about VC funding, if it's the right um, funding for your company, if it is, how to move forward, how to find investors, and also how to make sure you're not getting a bad contract. The second book that I recommend is a book called Traction. There's two traction books. Both I recommend. One talks about how to gain traction using different marketing channels. The second one is called uh, basically walks you through how to set your company up um, from A to Z. And then Startup CEO is another good book. Um, it talks to you about setting up your board of advisors, board of directors, do um, your cadence of meetings, who should be meeting and when. And also uh, but you should be communicating with investors and customers and uh, people who are champions of your company.
0: <laughs> no, all great points. I'm going to add those to my reading list today. And so if you had to compare your job as a startup founder to like a military panel, how would you think about it? Is it like you're an EXO, you're kind of back to being a PL, you're on staff, is it all in the above? Is it some blend of of, of some different jobs? What, how would you describe it?
1: You're definitely an EXO, 100%. Um, you're, your whole job, you wear many hats. You Your whole job is to make sure your troops, basically, or your team members in this case, are doing what their job is. You're basically the supervisor of the company. Um, You don't really have one set job. Your job is to make sure that everyone else is doing their job. And you just know enough that when things break, you're able to jump in and fix it. I will add a caveat that that role changes as the... Company stage changes. So when I was first starting out, I was more like a PL, like getting my hands dirty. And I'm still getting my hands dirty a lot, which is why I compared it to that. So, but I think I was more like a platoon leader where I was doing everything, all of the dirty work. And now I've been able to transition into more of an ETSO role as I've added more people to the team and learned how to outsource a lot of work. Uh, which is a big part of being a startup leader, learning what you can outsource and what has to stay in-house. And I'm sure that role will evolve as we continue to grow.
0: <laughs> that that does make a lot of sense. It kind of connects those dots. And so kind of as you're rowing it steering yeah. the ship, how do you make sure that you get the right people on the ship, whether it's you, you're trying to find that respective commander or other PLS, How do you make sure that you're getting those right individuals, whether it's a co-founder or chief of staff, to like get into the vision and also make sure that the right person for the job
1: I've been lucky enough. We're also very small, but I've been lucky enough where I'm able to p- pick people who approach me. And the reason why is because I feel like if you're approaching me, that means that you're really excited about the vision. Um, You already bought into the vision. So I'm not going to have to constantly convince you or persuade you. If you're approaching me about a job or to work on a team. That means that you are already convinced enough that you went out your way to find my information to figure out how you could join the team. So I've been lucky enough because we're so small where I've only, so far, only worked with people who have approached me. As we continue to grow, I plan to hire people who are smarter than me, who know more than me, which is what I've been doing now. But I want to bring people along who I can learn from. I want to constantly remain a student, um, remain curious, and continue to... I love learning. I really do. I love learning. So I want to continue to learn from the people around me.
0: I think the other question a lot of people have, you've made these transitions where... You're leaving kind of security, whether it was kind of intern before business school or then leaving these corporate jobs to become a startup founder. How do you prefer that kind of transition, leaving that security to delve into the unknown or pursue those passions?
1: For now, I've really been leaning on my faith. Like I went to Spelman College with $300 in my pocket. I had no clue what I was going to do. My mom was barely getting approved for the loan so i had no clue what my long-term game was but the one thing i kept in mind is god your plan for me if this is where you want me to be i'll follow just get me there and i'll figure out the rest as i go and that's really been my definitely my model for my whole life like god if i'm on your path if i'm doing what you have called me to do I'm going to follow. I'm going to be obedient. Just get me there and we'll work on the rest together. <laughs> and it's worked for me so far. I've done a lot of things. When I look back on, oh my, that was not, very, that was very smart very logical. And it ended up even applying to Spelman, like not having any backup schools to apply to. That was not a smart decision. Um, But I've done a lot of things that didn't make sense to them at the time, but it ended up working out for me. So I've learned to just trust that when I have a desire in my heart, um, I first pray about it. If God put that desire in my heart, then I'm going to go after it. And I trust in God enough that I hope that he'll figure it out.
0: (laughs) That, That makes sense. So one kind of being open to those opportunities making sure it's the right path that, that you and the creator have lined on and then from there execute I think the other piece that I'd like to kind of get your take on in navigating this journey, both as a startup founder, management consultant, business school student, how does the intersectionality of both gender and race as a Black woman navigating the space, how does that look different from say my journey as a Black man or from say I'm a a majority counterparts? Can you talk about that journey?
1: yeah I felt for a very long time probably um so growing up I was often the only black kid in my class up until maybe high school and then I went to a more diverse high school and then at small um of course it's an HBCU all-girl black school so I was very comfortable um everyone is full of beautiful ambitious women so everyone wanted to sit in the front seat of the class so I was very much in my element there, just feeding off of uh, other people's energy. Um, everyone wanted to be that 4.0 student at Spelman. <laughs> when I, went, I was suddenly thrown into the world of the military, and I felt like I had to prove myself and constantly validate myself, um, especially not had, coming from a military family. Um, and I had to work for the first time in my life. I was challenged in ways that I had never been challenged before. I've been blessed with the ability to be a fast learner, so if you, I'm not. If you put something in front of me, I can learn it very quickly. I've been blessed with that. In the military, I barely passed my PT test. Um, I had to like really do. I wasn't familiar with weapons, so I had to do a lot of research to become familiar with the terminology that they were using. So I was challenged in a way I had never been challenged before, and on top of that, I was dealing with a lot of imposter syndrome, figuring out if I was had made the right decision, if I was in the right place, and I felt like I constantly had to validate myself. And the same with the consulting world, um, I had a partner come up with to me after I had just got done giving a presentation. I received a lot of people, um, a lot of compliments from that presentation a partner came up to me and said, hey, you know, we have to do lunch um, very soon. I want to make sure I'm talking to all of the diversity hires and making sure that they feel welcomed here. (laughs) It felt like such a slap in the face. So once again, I felt myself shutting down, um, just constantly feeling like I had to exert so much energy to validate myself. And now working for um, Well-Capped, I finally feel like I have my place again, Who well, I don't have to validate myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know a bit about, about what I'm talking to because I face firsthand a lot of the issues to, that I'm trying to solve. So I I feel like I finally am in an environment where I feel welcome, I feel celebrated, not just tolerated. So it feels good. <laughs> And I hope that we're able to keep that same spirit as we grow.
0: And do you feel like kind of coming into that own and feeling like you're accept- you're you're not you're kind of championed rather than just tolerated, did that come as a matter of time and experience or more that you're pursuing this passion project where you can kind of forge your own path? What do you think kind of kind of led to that kind of feeling, that empowerment, if you will?
1: To clarify, it's not that there's an absence of doubt, but the feeling of knowing that I'm solving a real problem overshadows that doubt. And that comes from the customers. Like We haven't been spending any money on marketing, but we are still growing. We get emails all of the time from members who are thanking us for offering this service that was unheard of before we came around. So that, I know that we're on the right path. We still have a lot to figure out, but I know that we're solving for the right problems. And that gives you a confidence that no grade on the paper, no end of the year, no promotion can give you.
0: amazing, Amazing points. And so kind of the last piece, if you look at your journey and had to, one talk about, you know, your transition from the national guard But your journey on the whole and talk to, say, a young Spelman College alumna or MLT or or National Guardsman, kind of what would you change about your journey and transition process or, you know, anything that you would do better or differently?
1: I know it's going to sound very cheesy and cliche, but I wouldn't change anything. That's not to say I don't regret anything like I could Spend all day telling you all of the things I regret. But when I look back at the bigger picture, I see how those twists and turns were able to equip me with something that I need for today. So, whether it be a lesson or some type of grit that I didn't have before or um, a callus. And when I talk about callus, I'm talking about literally when you think about when you're working out and you get the callus on your hands. Those are protection, right? Forms of protection. It's an extra layer of skin that you didn't have there before. But they're
0: also protection.
1: You don't want soft hands when you're working out. But those thing, those plot twists that came or the curveballs that came, those, all of those lessons and all of those um, mistakes, they have prepared me for what I'm trying to do now. So I don't, I wouldn't change anything about my journey. But I do have regrets, but I recognize how they have prepared me or shaped me into the person that I am to that. So my biggest thing or my biggest advice would be trust your intuition, go with your gut. The worst thing that you could be is stagnant and not moving at all. Just move forward. If you don't know if you, some people get st- um, stuck because they can't figure out if they should go left or right. Just make a decision. Go left, go right. and one what's best. The worst thing that you could do is be stuck in one spot because you were afraid to make the decision.
0: Whether you've made the leap or not, you've still made a command decision, right? Action or inaction. I love those. Kind of last point. I know we've covered a lot here today, but is there anything that I didn't touch on that you would like to kind of share with our listeners any like last bits of last bits of information in the end
1: nothing that i can think of right now um i'm available if anyone has questions i answer all of my emails i'm at shantae at wellcap.com w-e-l-l-c-a-p-p-e-d.com um so if you have any questions over the transition or just want to talk about entrepreneurship i'm here
0: awesome well we appreciate you so much shantae thank you again for making time and to share with our listeners all your nuggets of wisdom Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited.